To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Ralph Waldo Emerson. My guest on this episode of Passing the Torch is Curtis Stadsvold, aka The Kurt Locker. He is active duty military and his job is Explosive Ordnance Disposal, also known as EOD. If you are not familiar with EOD, here's a quick background. Mitigating the hazards of explosive materials and other weapons takes immense courage, precision, and skill. EOD members undertake some of the Air Force's most dangerous missions in diverse and unforgiving locales worldwide. These brave airmen work solo or in teams and employ special tools and vehicles to safely locate, identify, recover, disarm, and dispose of dangerous weapons that threaten people, property, and natural environments. Without further ado, Passing the Torch with the Kurt Locker starts now. First and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Dude, I'm stoked, man. This has been, I don't know, at least maybe like a year in the works or something. Like we're both just happened to be assigned to the same base. So yeah, I'm happy to have you here, man. It's good to be here. And uh, yeah, I remember like that first, I think when I PCS'd here two years ago mm-hmm. now, um, that's when I think you first reached out is maybe a couple months into my assignment. You were like, hey, are you at right pad. Yeah. And I hit you back with a yes. And uh, it was funny because I, I always kind of, I marked it in Instagram as a, it's got like a little corner tag thing. So you follow up and remember who you were talking to. That's awesome. And uh, it was in there and it kind of went dormant for a few months. Uh, and I remember who reached out to you. Uh, if I reached out to you or you reached out to me next, uh, but basically just tried to reinvigorate that yeah. conversation. So I'm really excited that we're finally doing this. Uh, it's an honor. No, it's cool. Uh, and I've, I've been following your social uh, content for about four years uh, since you were in, te- or even before when you were in Texas. And so I'm very passionate about podcasting. This whole podcast is about mentorship, leadership, resilience, and inspiration. But it's really cool because I'm blending two of my passions. I'm also very passionate about garage gyms. And that's how I discovered you was through the garage gym community. And then that's why I wanted to do this podcast and this setup. So this is this is like a this is a church to me. It's a good church. I can't remember. I've I've heard like the church before, like, hey, what are you doing? Going to church, going to the gym. Yeah. But absolutely, in a way, it, it has a lot of that same effect that going to church would be for. If you have a group of people that come work with you in your gym, yeah. uh, you're getting that fellowship. You're also working to improve yourself, challenge where you're at. Uh, and really, the intent is to not remain status quo, but actually to uh, improve and advance beyond even your own expectations. So in a lot of ways, this is exactly like a church. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I tracked far and wide to make it here today. So with a yoke on my back, I said, I'm going to I'm gonna do this podcast. You talked about like uh, this being like a church. So, you know, the same reason why people go to church, the same reason why people work out, why is just, and your job is very stressful. Again, it's one of the, at least from to my knowledge, one of the most stressful uh, in, the, in the military. But how important is having like something like this stress outlet that requires you to unlock from work to because I mean if you're if you're squatting you know a certain amount of weight or deadlifting whatever like you can't be thinking about work you got to focus on that but how how beneficial is that to someone's resilience and emotional health? Uh, so I'd say it's it's super important regardless of what your job is because although mine might be physically or mentally or even emotionally at times. Uh, a very difficult job to do. Having the outlet uh, where you can go and throw some weight around, 
uh, and having like that Zen thing. And for, for a lot of people, it actually might not be that fitness is their Zen moment. It might be that making clay pots on a wheel is your Zen moment. And that's great. Uh, but for me, mine just happens to line up that with a physically demanding job, my, my passion after 2013 really turned into uh, fitness. And so for me, it marries up nicely. And for, it's really important for me to have this because my wife will tell you, uh, if I'm not training, uh, that I'm probably just the most impossible person to get along with. Uh, my body actually starts to hurt as a result of not training. Um, we can talk about that now or later, but like I'm, I'm facing another med board now. I've faced previous med boards. I'm two inches shorter than when I joined the military. Uh, it's been a physically demanding job. Uh, so for me, training is what keeps me upright and keeps me moving as well as it gives me that thing that I, I can do. And I, I normally train by myself, not that it's by choice. It's just the way it works out. Uh, but it's that opportunity for me to have that kind of meditation time where it's me out here, whether I'm silent listening to music or watching podcasts, uh, but just that, that me, and it allows me to disconnect from work, uh, disassociate a little bit, uh, while also doing something that also helps me at work uh, from a physical sense. No, and I, I, we've talked about the med board uh, briefly before. I know you said that you were two inches shorter. I know all that's documented in records, but the most important thing is in your records, like, hey, doctor, I know it says I'm two inches shorter, but let's add another couple of zeros to how much I can deadlift or in bench, right? So, <laughs> Absolutely. so that's the most important thing is like, what's it say about my numbers? Yeah, like, exactly. that's, you know. Actually, funny story on that. Uh, so when I was a staff sergeant in 2013, I, I faced my first, I think it was called the dog. Um, now it's called something else. Yeah, yeah, dog, yeah uh, D-A-W-G or yeah. something. Yeah. Basically, it's like the, can you continue serving? And I'm not mad. I'm, I'm just a bomb monkey. So if you're medical and you're listening to this, just bear with me. I don't know what your stuff is called. Um, but uh, basically, L5 to my S1 looked like a Salvador Dali painting. And uh, the question came down. And I took this very personally because at the time, I was like, no, I want to stay in the military. I'm only at, uh, at, at the time, eight years. And I want to continue this. I want to go to retirement. So I took it incredibly personally. And I, I walked into the the office that was handling my case and I had just started strongman training and I could do a, a 300 pound stone to like a 48 inch platform. And I was talking to the person again, young staff sergeant motivated, not very bureaucratic, uh, basically threatened them that if they med board me, I will bring a 300 pound rock, put it on your desk and I will leave it. I don't think that made it into the record. It's a bold move, Cotton. Like Especially in 2013, because I think the Air Force didn't have as many retention problems back then. So, well, in EOD, they definitely did. So, okay. yeah. So there was a very long, well, not a retention issue, but a recruitment issue, which caused all sorts of issues from 2011 to 2000 and about 19. But you're, you're, you're definitely right. It was a bold move. Uh, but at the time, probably wasn't thinking straight. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So uh, I don't know if that made the records or not, but I did. I did threaten 300 pound stone on your desk and I will leave it. And that's not an empty threat. I can do that. Uh, I think I'm up to now I can do like a 325 or something. So try to kick me out. I'll leave a rock on your desk. Yeah. Good luck getting it off. Alan Thrall would be so proud. He probably, you know, he probably would be. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I'll ask him. Hey, going back to your previous response, uh, you know, about the importance like, of lifting and just having, you know, training. You mentioned about disconnecting especially in your specific job in the military, how important is the skill of detachment? And what? It, and you're also in a leadership position. So how do you 
how do you teach people or advise people on practicing the skill of detachment? Because you have to, right? So you absolutely do. Uh, so I, I've, I have some uh, opinions here. I just want to make sure I state up front that these are like Curtis's opinions. These are things that I've done. So one, uh, I've had multiple AFSs in the Air Force. I used to be a, an avionics technician. I worked 16s, 22s, MQ1s, and MQ9s. Uh, awesome experience, but at the time, it was a very different culture. So switching over to the EOD culture, we almost teach that from the beginning. Uh, some some things that we do to teach that is, one, it's pretty rare that people wear their uniform to and from work. And I'd like to just, I'm not saying that that's what everybody should do, but for me, I find that that's actually a super helpful thing because for me, it's almost like the period at the end of a sentence. So I finish work, I take my uniform off, I put it in my closet at work or in my locker or wherever I'm storing it. And I'm done at that point. You know, I'm, I'm sort of going from uh, who I am in the military to Curtis, going back to Curtis. Um, I can stop somewhere on the way home and I'm just a normal Joe. Uh, and, and we do that as a culture, like almost universally, EOD technicians don't wear their uniform to and from work. And that's not all of them. That's why it's almost universally. Uh, but that's the first thing right there is learning how to have that disconnect to try to have a group of friends that are, are separate. And I'm not saying that you got to lead two separate lives or anything like that. They're obviously going to know who you are. Uh, but having people that one are at least outside of your culture, as far as an AFS, uh, two, having someone that's, uh, just outside the military, have some people that have zero military background and just bounce ideas off of them. Because I don't know if other military members realize this or not, but a lot of the stuff we do is bonkers. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Try to explain to somebody like a change of command formation. Explain that to a civilian that has zero context as to what's going on because you're explaining like basically, hey, we got new management coming in and they want to see everybody. And if you look at the historical context of a change of command, it's wildly important because you know it was developed during a time where social media wasn't a thing, like the internet wasn't a thing. So you got to see who's, who's in charge of you. And sometimes these are outside. Yes. And sometimes, well, yeah. <laughs> so like you're explaining like, yeah, so new management came in and we all stood in this block thing. Like I stood next to someone behind somebody and someone was behind me and it was this massive gaggle. It was like 100 degrees outside. We practiced this for like six hours just to make sure that we could stand there for 15 minutes. And rigidly, right? Rigidly. People yes. are dropping out like flies falling over, smoking their face. And people that are not in the military are like, what are you doing? Um, someone who captures this really well from... Uh, from an influencer or content creator standpoint is the, there's a soldier's his tag is like mandatory fun day. He breaks this stuff down perfectly. Uh, I, I can't even begin to match his, his wit and his humor. Uh, but have, have those friends that are not in the military, um, just so that you can get a bead on like, Hey, what are, what is, what is normal? Um, and that doesn't mean that what we do in the military is bad. I like to make sure I say that too, because a lot of a lot of what we do, customs and courtesies, has a lot of heraldry, and it goes beyond just Air Force heraldry. This is like stuff that we have done since the Roman Empire, which men think about at least once a day. So here's our moment to think about this. But this, this stuff has been going on for ages, and it's wildly important. But having those civilian friends to be able to disconnect, kind of disassociate a little bit, you will always be, whether you're in, out, retired, separated, kicked out, I don't care what you are, you will always be that 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 military member, that person who raised the right hand and, and said, send me. But it's also really good to be able to break away from that uh, and give your mind a little bit of a break because we demand a lot 
out of our airmen. We demand a lot out of just anybody that's underneath you. Because people that listen to this might not have airmen. They might have civilians that work for them. But we demand a lot out of those guys too. Uh, and so being able to disconnect, have those civilian friends. So to be clear, uh, have have those civilian friends. Don't wear a uniform to and from work just as a piece of advice. And then three, have something that is yours. So for me, that thing is this, this space right here is the gym. Um, I, I like to tell my young guys like, Hey, you can pick like four things, pick four things. Your family should always be the number one. Uh, the air force is going to be one of those things. I'm sorry, but just get over it. Yeah. College might be your third thing. And then for me, the gym is my fourth thing. And the reason I say that is because I've been guilty in the past of taking on too much. Yeah. Um, and it almost starts to detract away from that, that very important role as a air force leader. No, that's, that's so true, right? Like the, the military does demand a, a lot of us and it's, and it's more than just physical. It's emotionally and spiritually and uh, mentally and it, good and bad, right? And it could be, it could be a lot. I also love the fact that he said, just pick four things because I've been guilty of that as well is I want to do all these things. It's like, Hey, I can't do everything right now, but for the next three months, let me focus on I'll take a college class, but then the next month, you know, I want to go do this other thing. So, you know, we're running our own marathon and it's not a sprint. I also love the fact that you talked about find, you know, civilian friends. But more than that, I think it's important. You can find military friends, but it's just important to find people that it may be people outside of your career field because it's more about finding like your tribe, like your people with shared interest. Right. So for me, for example, I did a play last year. And I've never done a play before, but I did a live, you know, theater play and it was awesome. I met 25 people that I've never would have crossed paths with most likely. None of them are military. So it was, it was kind of cool just to have that perspective. But another thing is like you and I came together because we have a shared uh, interest. Not only do we create social content, but we're very much into the garage gym scene. And I think before we started recording, we talked for maybe like 40 minutes about, <laughs> you know, every, bars and J hooks and uh, you know uh, five eights versus one <laughs> one inch. It's all the nuanced details. That's that's very political though. We can't talk about. I know twenty twenty four is an election year, and a lot of people are like, hey, we can't talk about politics. Like to me, that's not the most controversial thing. The most controversies are we talking five eights versus one inch. But absolutely, I'm, I'm joking. Or is uh, a twenty nine millimeter power bar <laughs> superior to a twenty eight and a half millimeter power bar? Lines have been drawn in with, the same uh, mountain neural or formations, rigid formations rigid. are lining up on both sides. Yep, they're falling over like flies. It's whoever has the most at the end that wins. It's like Bloods and Crips in the 90s, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, you're one of the 28.5 guys with 5A. So, yes. Yeah, you're beneath like, me. Yeah, East Coast, West Coast rap. All right. I did have to write this down because I, I researched you. And, oh, yeah. That's a professional way of saying, hey, hey Kurt. Hey, I stalked Kurt, you. I, I stalked you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm your LinkedIn. One person appeared in your LinkedIn or whatever. One person searched for you. It was I'm, me. I've never paid the pro model, so I don't know who's actually searching me for you. Yeah, I just get like the ghosted out version. But if you get a ghosted out version for a uh, notification this morning, it's me. Yeah. All right. So I did see that. So you have a master of science in human performance, strength, and conditioning. How important are strength training and conditioning not only to one's uh, – physical health, but also their mental and emotional health. And a follow-up question to that is, do you have any stories of when your resilience was established from strength, tra uh, strength training and got you through a stressful time or situation? I'm going to take the second part of the question first. So the second part of the question is talking about like a stressful time that uh, 
that got me through, you know, you using strength training. Right. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to rewind. So we, we brought up 2013. So 2013 was when I got back from Afghanistan. I was out there serving with the second, uh, combat engineer battalion, the Marine Corps, uh, out of Lejeune. And I was also serving with the seventh rifles, uh, British brigade operations company, and some of the SAS guys, uh, from England, United Kingdom, whatever that whole Island is called. When I got back, uh, I, I was having dehabilitating back pain. I had basically been carrying a ruck, and I'm not exaggerating when I say I'm not I'm talking about 100 pounds a gear. And we were doing dismount missions that would either last hours or days. And uh, when I got back, I was just in pain. I was trying to go to the clinic. Um, I affectionately call the the medical group, the medical hobby shop. Um, that is 100% because of my time in 2013, just trying to get help. And uh, I, I finally, uh, so we, you actually mentioned Alan Thrall. And it's really funny that you bring that up because watching YouTube, I saw Alan Thrall. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's a former pallbearer. Uh, he's out doing content now. Um, I, I know fitness is important, but I never took it seriously. And a prior Marine. Yeah, and a prior Marine, yeah. Uh, I started kind of following his page, and then that ran into Never Sate, which is Brian Alzru's page, uh, which he is just wildly inspirational. He's a former, I think he's an agency guy or something. He's very hush-hush uh, about his past. But through those two gateways, as well as a really great physical therapist that I wish I remembered his name, big strapping dude for a physical therapist, like not your traditional, like, let me shove a needle in you. Not that I hate that. I actually like the dry needling, but he was like, yeah, the reason you hurt is because you're weak. Uh, and I'm editing what he said here. So he's like, basically you're weak. You're a whiner. Shut up. Uh, let's lift some weights. And so th those three were kind of my trifecta that got me started actually doing strength training in a way that was productive in nature. Because before that I would do what I think a lot of military people do when they go to the gym. So one, we teach running because it's the easiest thing to get a thousand people to do at the same time. Uh, so I would go and I would run, I'd come back, I'd be sweaty and I'd be like, all right, cool. So like that machine's open, I'll go do leg extensions. And then like that machine's open, I'll go do whatever. Right. So you just basically wander around the gym doing the machines. Or when it's PT on your own, everyone just goes, uh, we'll go do bench press. Yeah. Bench press. Yeah. I, I actually, that's all about to, to get to, or like the, the bench press or like, uh, well, I'm going to do decline bench press today because you know, I want to hit the lower pack versus the upper pack and like trying to get all like bro science scientific. And I took it seriously and I kind of simplified everything and I was like, all right, cool. So simple, hard and effective. Um, let's make training that's simple, hard and effective. And that's, that basically got me to where I was sitting on, I was laying down in our training room multiple times a day during shift. I had like five ice packs I'd bring to work. And the only way I could get through work was to go upstairs, lay down in the training room, lay on those ice packs for like 15 minutes. And then I was like numb enough to continue. The only other way outside of that. So like when I would go to training events, um, because there's a lot of pride in this too, right? Like I am, I'm a staff sergeant who is leading a section, supervising like five airmen at the time. And I'm not going to go on no profile because mama didn't raise no bitch. That was my attitude. And so like I would go to training events and the only way I could get through some of those training events, because I should have been on profile, like just straight up. Like I was not walking right as I went. It's, there was a stigma back then, oh, yes. right? Like hardcore. I still am guilty of that stigma with myself. So like right now I'm actually at an AMRO process, potentially facing another med board. And, uh, I probably should be on profile. Uh, but I stepped up and took my, 
I was coming up due at the end of the month for my fitness test earlier this week, actually. And I, I came up to our PTL uh, the week before and I was like, hey, I need a PT test. So we did my FSQ and he's like, are you on profile? And in my head, I'm like, well, my elbow's screwed. My shoulder's still a little bit screwed. My back is absolutely screwed. Now nah, I'm fine. And uh, I ended up going out there and uh, just muscling through it, taking my PT. So not the right thing to do, but I'm guilty of this and I'm willing to admit it, but this is kind of a blind side for me is I, I refuse to be put on a physical limiting profile because I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, he's one of those that's, you know, he became a, became whatever grade and like suddenly he's just not going to do PT anymore. Like that is not my attitude. Well, anyways, I took my PT test in uh, 17 minutes, um, start to finish uh, and got like a 93. So was this the hammer run? Yeah, yeah the, I don't the, do that amount of half crap. Yeah, the hand release pushups. No, no, I didn't do the hand release. I just did the traditional. Okay, gotcha. It's easy to max at my age. Um, so yeah, that's so that's t- super long answer with tons of segues there. But the original question was, um, help me through a time. And I would say that learning how to strength train really did help me through a time. Uh, and it, it brought me to where I'm at today um, with the home gym scene, with my own physicality, with how I compete, with how I train people. Um, it was a lot of motivations there because like you, you mentioned like, uh, pursuing, I'm pursuing my masters. I'm, I'm pretty much there. I don't actually have my masters yet. I'm like one, I'm thinking I'm like two classes away from, from being complete. Uh, but that was a huge motivator for me because I had those people in my life that were like, Hey, here's the hard truth. You're weak and you're weak minded, uh, start strength training. And this is going to iron you out. And I was able to do that in a way that was constructive. And it brought me to where I'm at, where for seven years, I had zero back pain at all. And I'll tell you that in 2013, they were saying I needed to have like three of my vertebrae fused. And I refused. I was like, absolutely not. I don't remember how old I was. I'm not going to do math in public. But uh, I I absolutely refused. I was like, no, no, you're not touching my back because I know that a back surgery now means another back surgery in 12, 20 years or something. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's that getting started just basically helped me through, got me upright, got my mind right. Uh, and, and kind of sharpened me for, for where I'm at today. Um, the original part of that question was how important is it for our strength and uh, conditioning towards resilience? Because a lot of people, or like you said, it ties into your answer. Like they're, they have back pain and they, they want to get surgery. And it's just, to me, like there's so many different things. Strength training can help with depression. A Absolutely. lot of people, I've, there's something I feel like people are so depressed and I feel like a lot of personal problems could be resolved just by doing a set of squats. We have a victim culture that we live in these days. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody is a victim. I just want to make sure I, I say that clearly. I'm going to, I'm going to say some things and I'm not shooting at anybody, but we have a very victim friendly culture where it's like, Hey, do you want to be hurt? Like going to medical and be like, Oh, my back hurts. The first question they ask is like, Oh, do you want to be on a profile? It's like, Maybe that's not the right first question to ask. But yeah, so strength training can be that thing that helps you get better. The difference between, and, and again, it's it's not necessarily that my style of strength training is for everybody. It might be that you just enjoy enjoy carrying sandbags around, or you might just enjoy running. If running is your thing, that's great. Running is great. Like there's a whole side of running that's incredibly beneficial, and it does help. And we're not just saying that it helps with things like uh, we'll bring up like PTSD, depression, um, those kind of mental health issues. Um, it's not just saying it, it's in papers, go on Medscape, go on and look at the studies that actually correlate those two things. And it's wild, the level that it's correlated. And again, it doesn't have to be that your goal is to lift 
a thousand pounds. That doesn't have to be that that's what your goal is, but the act of performing something that makes you better. Uh, in the Bible, it says that as iron sharpens iron, right? Um, iron sharpens iron is, is, is wild because uh, so many of us just want the Band-Aid, want the surgery to make the back pain go away. But that's not ironing sharpening iron. That is flesh trying to sharpen iron, but really just getting cut as a result. You're just making something worse. You're not actually making yourself better. You have to do something that is going to improve where you're at. We have to disrupt homeostasis, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. You have to disrupt that homeostasis, cause some damage in some ways, like the physical senses, you actually cause damage to your muscles, um, and then get better as a result. Now, from the from the mental side, it might be Recognize. So like one thing I know with me is that I tend to catastrophize. So I've diagnosed PTSD. I tend to catastrophize situations. Um, if I'm getting into something that I don't want to get into, I'll be like, oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be worse. And it's all in my head. But knowing that I do that, it's interrupting that process and being whether you're nice to yourself or mean to yourself like I am. It's for me, it's quit whining. Um, you're catastrophizing this. You are making this worse than it really is. Uh, and just learning how to recognize that that's disrupting that homeostasis, which the homeostasis, if you're not right in the head is not being right in the head. So putting a stop to it, recognizing it, and then having processes there to make yourself better. Uh, so physical, mental, and then the emotional side. So the emotional side might, so if it's the gym, it could be that this is your Zen area. This could be where you come and you know, even if you just come out here and you walk in circles for a little bit, maybe not a home gym, but you just go to the gym and like just being at the gym without considering the work you do could be a part of that. Or it could be going to church or it could be spending time in prayer, spending time in reflection or journaling or writing things down. Um, all of those things though are in the gym because like I keep paper logs on everything that I do when I lift. That's part of that reflection. That's part of the emotional side of being in the gym. And to some that are listening to this, they, they might think like, well, isn't it a little bit wishy-washy? And I would argue that uh, until you've actually done it, tried it, put the actual effort into seeing if it works, that you're not going to know. So try it. And I guarantee it'll probably end up working for you. Well said. And I'm going to have to look up how to spell homeostasis. Homeostasis. <laughs> yeah. I heard a pastor recently say, uh, my pastor, and he he had a quote, and it just, it just he actually said it about a year ago, but it stuck with me. But what dominates our thoughts determines our direction. And on top of that, I attended the Air Force uh, Association Conference or the, I guess, the Air and Space Force Conference a couple weeks ago. And Chief Toberman and his wife were doing a panel. They were up on stage talking and they were discussing how the importance of like the best relationship you should have is the one with yourself first. Because if you don't have a great relationship with yourself, how can you have a great relationship or the bar, you know, you're setting a curve you're not going to be able to build an outstanding relationship with uh, like your loved ones. So I, uh, but to me, strength training helps with that. And I think it uh, ties in what you were talking about. If I can uh, not counterpoint that, but add to that, yeah, yeah. a relationship is one where both parties come into it with the intent of living happily and making each other better. So to have a positive relationship with yourself does not mean that you have to, you have to accept who you are, where you're at. You have to do that. But you don't have to accept that as forever. So I just want to make sure that that's clear that just because you maybe have emotional damage, physical damage, or, or mental damage of some sort, and I mean that like with the softest hands that I can have. I'm not good at words. But you can't just be like, so if I came into this and I'm like, I'm going to have a good relationship with myself, 
I have chronic PTSD. So that means I'm just going to have to live with chronic PTSD. That is actually a toxic relationship with yourself. So you have to have that relationship, but you got to take it a step farther. And you have to come into that relationship with the intent of improving it. Because if you come in with the intent of maintaining the status quo, unless you're Jesus, you just entered the world's worst relationship because we are all flawed and we all need to try to improve ourselves uh, regardless of the, the field or the arena. No, that's awesome. Whether it's with EOD, strength training, resilience, what are bad uh, recommendations you hear in your profession and area of expertise? As far as, as far as like from an EOD perspective, I, or just or maybe not so much EOD, but just whether it's strength training oh. or like yeah, bad recommendations for because uh, we see it right, whether it's on the internet or you, or various social media or people. So first off, don't argue with children. My interpreter taught me that in Afghanistan. Uh, I shut people down very routinely. Um, not very. That's not fair. I will shut people down almost regardless of grade. Um, I've learned how to do it appropriately for those that uh, outrank me. Uh, but I don't argue with children. Period. Um, you can't argue with a child. I, I'm convinced that I always tell my son is five, and I always tell my wife like we should negotiate with terrorists no. or whatever, and <laughs> just send send like a group of five year olds. Yeah, they'll take over. All right. So bad advice. There's tons of bad advice out there, um, but there's also a lot of good advice. It's funny. I go through stages. Um, let's see here. So when I first got into strength training, I was doing starting strength. And because I read the book and because that's what I was doing and it was working for me at that time, I was like, well, if you don't do starting strength, you don't know what you're doing. All right. That is bad advice. Really, the good advice is going to be uh, what helps you improve and what we're, we're Man, it's really hard to filter that when it comes to online because it goes beyond just credentialing. Like someone could be like, well, I'm a certified personal trainer. I know how to give this advice or I'm an, I'm working on my master's in exercise science. Um, that means I know how to give good advice. I mean, but does it? Um, so what I'd say is just one, educate yourself. We, we live in an age where there is so much educational material available to you. And I would say that you should prioritize people that know what they're doing from an educational standpoint, whether it's certifications or degrees, uh, but don't just take it as gospel because uh, a really good example of this is there is a, uh, a physio over in England. His name is Adam Eakins or Adam Eakins. One of those two awesome physio uh, gives great advice on, on Instagram does like breakdowns. He also does some funny ones. Um, and then we also have squat university. Um, and that's one that a lot of people are a lot more familiar with. Uh, so Squat University might put out content and he's a physio. Like he, may, he maybe doesn't, I think he does patient care, but he is a physio and so is Adam Eakins, but they actually offer opinions that are contrary to each other. And what people need to consider is that a lot of times these advice, these, these pieces of advice are made within context. Um, a really good example of this is knees over toes. So like, are you supposed to have knees over toes when you lunge? So if you have long femurs, that might be the only way that you can get to depth in a way that promotes good balance. Because if you're up on your toes, you're no longer have the midline of your body over the middle yeah. of your foot, blah, blah, blah. Um, so when it comes to good advice though, when you're trying to filter it, uh, if, if you're, if it's just a bodybuilder like Sam Sulik and he's looking for the sick pump or whatever the heck he says, he's like the biggest thing right now. He's down mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, he might have some good advice, but I don't know, maybe not. Uh, he's young. Just take it with a grain of salt. Uh, and my biggest recommendation for people is to, if it's something that you want to do seriously, 
find a coach and not a remote coach, find an in-person coach. That's, you're going to be your best first line. Um, if you can't get an in-person coach, uh, start taking videos of yourself and maybe send it, send it to me. I don't care if you send it to me over Instagram, I will break it down with angles and I'll give you some advice and you can take it or leave it. But if you need to hire a remote coach, just make sure that you have the video that goes along with the lifting to make sure it's good. Uh, as far as like career field advice, what I would tell people that there are many, many roads that the military has to offer, whether it's in EOD or outside of EOD. I would tell people that they should not be taking 100% of their advice about their Air Force career from people that are inside of their career field and that they should have mentors that are not in their career field as well as some that are, but have some that aren't to give you that outside advice. Get perspective, get outside the box thinking, get out of your vacuum and stop trying to solve all your problems inside of your vacuum. That's my best advice I can give people. Use things like Project Arc. Use those innovative fellowships that are out there. They're all over the Air Force portal. Nobody's reading them. But those are the guys that are solving, guys and girls that are solving the problems that we're going to have when we potentially you know, go to the next conflict. And if you're working in a vacuum, I promise you that you're going to fail. Even aside from the military, outside, you know, a lot of that sound Air Force specific, but it applies to everything, right? Like find people outside of your your industry, outside of your uh, typical peer group, right? Or even um, your common interests. It's good to have, you know, I've had people tell me like it's, and I've started doing this over the past couple of years is to have, we, when we think of mentors, it's always someone who's typically higher ranking or older than you. I've had mentors now where they're the same rank as me, the same age, or even younger than me. So this guy probably doesn't realize that he is a mentor to me. Uh, but I have a staff sergeant who is mentoring me right now. That dude is smart as hell. Uh, and for me to be able to recognize that and, and leverage that is actually helping me help my airmen get opportunities right now because he is opening up my aperture as far as what's available out there. Uh, so yeah, so don't be afraid to have those those younglings. Those This young generation is Brilliant. And I mean that. I ran I ran the EOD prelim course for three years, dealing with 18 to like some old guys that came in later in their career, but really like a bunch of 18-year-olds fresh out of high school. And was it incredibly frustrating at times? Yes. Did I want to strangle them a couple of times? Absolutely. But to be able to step back and be like, oh, they just solved what I thought would be this super difficult problem in this wildly creative way. Uh, that is just absolute genius and get, just get from behind yourself, like get over yourself to not, not you, but like the leaders that are out there that they're just like, well, the young generation sucks. They have no resilience. They have none of this. They have none of this. Stop identifying problems, get off your ass and fix them. Um, because one probably isn't as big of a problem as you think it is. And two, you're not meeting the airmen where they're at. You're not meeting the younger generation where they're at and where they're at is hands and feet. Is, is that even, I don't even know what to say, but basically they are way beyond where we're at as far as leveraging new tech. And I'm not just talking about computers. I'm talking about like processes, coding. Um, it just goes way beyond. The, this young generation is absolutely brilliant and we're losing them. We are 100% going to lose them because we are stuck in our old ways and we just can't get out of our own way. And if we, if we can't do this, we're going to, we're going to lose a whole bunch of airmen. So I want to go back to some more general, uh, like personal, like trials and tribulations. How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure uh, story? So I, I have failed a ton. I, my attitude towards failure is fail now, not when it counts. Um, it, the EOD mantra with failure is it's, a, it's initial success or total failure. Um, and that's true because it's either, 
I'm working on a problem or if I screw up, I'm just suddenly not there to deal with it anymore. Yeah. A favorite failure. So there's, there's, I don't know why. So like, it's not even like that big of a failure. Uh, I was going through a divorce back, I don't whatever year it was. Uh, I, I'd gotten back from Afghanistan. I was in for uh, adjustment disorder, PTSD at mental health. I was angry. I was going through a med board. I was angry. Uh, and I, I ran a IED operation as part of my training, normal training. And as I was sweeping up to a uh, an IED, there was an improvised rocket launcher. And I went over there and basically the processes that I did got me killed within 30 seconds of identifying that there's a rocket launcher right there. And I was just pissed. Like, I just remember being like overwhelmingly just pissed off. There was a lot of external factors. Like my about to be ex-wife was right there watching. The guy that is the reason that we became exes was also standing right there watching. But that failure, I think is probably one of my favorite because I have never thrown a piece of equipment that far. Uh, uh, I got yelled at. I got smoked. Was it less than a 300-pound stone? It was significantly less than a 300-pound stone, but I, I threw a combat helmet. I don't even know how far it was. It pro- I probably remember it being farther. Um, but it was just one of those moments where like that, that moment really allowed me to get out a lot of anger and aggression that I had at my situation. Uh, it wasn't a good situation, too. Just let me say that leadership, if... Leadership needs to be engaged in what's going on with their guys. Um, I, that should have been a command-directed move. There should have been somebody needed to move. Is that the biggest lesson learned for, uh, from that? Because, I mean, obviously it was such a big thing at the time, but you, you kind of look back and like, you know what? In a weird way, I'm glad that happened because it's helped me become, yes. I've been able to connect and use that to Absolutely. help others. Now, I do have issues with connecting because I've had other failures too. I've had members commit suicide on my watch. And I know that according to mental health, that's not my fault. But you know what? As a leader, you're always going to think that that's your fault. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it taught me to to get context into what the guys and girls that work under me are going through, uh, because that whole situation shouldn't have been a thing. Um, someone should have PCS. Two people should have PCS. Yeah, they should have moved. Right? Some, when you say somebody PCS. should have moved. Um, but really, like the whole thing was just bump kiss. It was just terrible. Um, but yeah, probably, and it's not really even a failure on my part. I failed because I failed the IED operation. Um, I died you know, in, in the fake world, but it, it drove this lesson that you, if you're not involved and you don't know what's going on with your people, you might smoke somebody who throws their combat helmet across the range because they just died on an ID operation. But if they had taken like 30 seconds to actually address the underlying issue, it was that my future ex-wife was basically sleeping with another guy within the flight while I was deployed. And I came back to like some other dude living at my house. Um, who was in the military, in my unit. Um, and in my opinion, leadership did nothing. So probably the biggest lesson learned there was, and again, just get involved um, and try to know him. Now, other failures have also led to other issues where like sometimes I have a hard time getting involved. I was very involved with, I guess we'll talk about my uh, the suicide in my unit. So this gentleman, uh, basically I, I got him in 2013. Like this is like a really important year for me. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of stuff happened that that caused a lot of a lot of a lot of changes. So uh, he came to me as a brand new uh, airman, fresh out of tech school. I came back as a you know fresh from war, you know staff sergeant. So uh, basically had this guy from day one. He kind of like he has like the most entertaining, 
what the hell moments. So basically knew this guy from 2013 until when he died in uh, February of 2019. And uh, it actually kind of, I'll say that from 2019 through 2021, I was almost completely isolated from everybody in my unit, even though I was in charge of that particular section. Um, I had 13 people working for me running probably one of the more difficult to run tech schools in the Air Force. And I was just, I insulated myself because um, like, I, I had to go pick this guy's daughter up from school. The daughter I didn't know about when he first became my airman. I had to go pick her up from school because he was dead. And it just drove a stake in there where I didn't want to open myself up to that because I, like, I thank God I have the wife I have because she is the reason that I was able to kind of get through that time because the, the helping, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Chris, yeah, Kristen, uh, simply DIY home on Instagram. She's yeah, a, give her a yeah, she's out, also man. a big, uh, uh, content, content creator slash blogger for, yeah. for, uh, for renovating homes. But she basically was just, there and she understood and she had she had almost the same relationship we're a tight-knit community yeah. right so like she knew who he was she had hung out with him um it was uh an absolutely awesome thing but like that moment as well i've always treated that as a failure and i know that it's not healthy to do that but the reality is is that i'm never going to see that is not my failure um because i should have recognized it i should have tried to be more involved um and i know it's not healthy but I, I just, I can't, I just can't get past. It's a guilt, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but even going back to the whole like point of this conversation, that's why I, st I think strength training is just kind of like a good escape, yeah. right? In some capacity, because it helps you again, just the, you feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders, but then it's, you realize, oh man, I, I do have, you know, 315 on my back. Yeah. So, hey, I want to transition to some lighter topics. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, talking actually was tying in Kristen. <laughs> What if the thing that turned her on to you was the fact like, man, Kurt really threw that helmet, uh, you know, 300 yards, man. Like, what if that was like secretly like her random checklist item? Like, I need a man that can throw that, shot, that can shot put. Yeah. So, hey, could you show me the motion? Like, was it like, was it one of those things where you were doing like oh, a disc or was it like a shot put? I think I was crying a little bit. So there's some tears for lubrication. There's some patriotic uh, droplets. Yeah. Patriotism yeah. droplets. So just, uh, probably, I don't know. I don't even remember. I'm glad it went far though, because you imagine like when people get mad and they're trying to kick something and they miss the ball or whatever, and they they slip the ground, fall. yeah, kick break the their ground. toe, or if they would like, isn't that the story of Jack Daniels? He got mad at a safe, so he kicked the safe and it killed him because uh, he got gangrene yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it yeah, festered. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. like the Jack Daniels story, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Thank God I'm still here. I didn't like. So I want to finger. transition to some miscellaneous questions. They have there's no rhyme or reason. It's just random questions with a fun twist on it, right? Kurt Locker, Kurt Locker, are you ready? When you think of a movie image that depicts leadership, who or what comes to mind? And it cannot be the movie The uh, Hurt Locker. Oh, man, that's too bad. That's uh, too easy. Because I would not say The Hurt Locker. I know. Uh, uh, so a movie that has leadership, like projects that leadership. Oh, man, that's, a real, that's a, actually a really hard question. There's a couple that come to mind right away. Uh, w one is 300, Leonidas. Oh, yeah. King Leonidas, absolutely. To, so think about that real quick. So as the king, the warrior king of the Spartans, um, and again, a lot of this is speculation, but if I, I've read Stephen Pressfield's work on the hot gates. I've read a lot of history on this. And I mean, we'll talk about the Roman Empire later, just to think about the Roman Empire again later. But, uh, but yeah, with that, this guy had 300 or more or less highly motivated, highly trained warriors 
that at a moment's notice dropped everything that they were doing and went to Thermopylae. Yeah, yeah. Went to Thermopylae. Yeah, close enough. I, I think you're right. Thermopylae at the hot gates. And, and, and basically defended their lifestyle, defended their, their families, defended their culture. Uh, and they were just, I mean, the movie makes it like they're super, haru, haru. Like, if you don't get goosebumps during that, you're not, I don't know, I, I, I get goose. Maybe I'm just easily influenced uh, me too. by movies, but like, I listen to that. Hey, Spartan, what is your yeah. profession? And it's, yeah, and it's like, oh my gosh, like that. I got goosebumps right now, yeah. right? Um, there's a couple others that come to mind too. Uh, gosh, from a leadership perspective? Just so anything. This might it, be weird, but like, the, have you seen the movie Otto? It's on... I haven't seen it yet. You're talking about Tom Hanks? Yeah. I, I have not watched so, it yet. Yeah, uh, the movie Otto. This, so it may be not a leadership from a, like a large organization standpoint, but this super cranky old, like probably on the spectrum dude who completely changes the life of this, this young family that moves into their neighborhood. Um, and I don't know if that's leadership. No, it is leadership because he, he basically takes them where they're at. And like, you got a guy that can't back up a car to save his life. And he turns that whole, like he's like this father of the family is like falling off the roof. Like he sucks as a, as like the, the stereotypical dude. And he takes that family and just turns them around and like makes all the difference in the world. And, uh, yeah, probably like that, like having that large impact on people that probably deserve it, but you don't realize they deserve it. Um, and that that's kind of the whole premise of the the story there for our more recent movie example. No, that's great. And it also just shows that, you know, when we talk about leadership, it's not just military people, right? There's like civilian leaders and, and, and uh, you know, authors. Wolf of Wall Street, absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. The last two questions. If there was a movie made about your life, what would the name of that movie be? They already did. What? It's the Hurt Locker. Oh, okay. <laughs> just kidding. What would the movie be about? And which people from the Garage Gym community, which three people from the Garage Gym community would you cast in that movie? From the Garage Gym community. You know what? Let's do it like this. Like, let's say they were going to remake the Hurt Locker, and it's now going to be the Kurt Locker yeah. with you as the leading role. Yep. And we'll say you can pick four members. Uh, I know there's like three main characters in that movie, but... We'll, we'll go with three. I, I can do three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and depending on your answer, they if it's someone like... If you say like two people, but they're on like the same team or podcast, we'll count them as one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but who from, from the Garage Gym community, uh, who would you cast them to be on uh, your team in that movie with you? I think that, honestly, what the movie would be about um, at this point is trying to make an impact on veteran lives after the military. Um, like literally just focusing maybe like the first 30 seconds, it's like this action sequence of like, these guys went through some crap. Um, but really after that, it's, it's going to be me and uh, probably my two closest friends in the garage gym community trying to to meet people where they're at and try to make their lives better through strength. Um, the two people that it's going to be is Chris Yarber. Uh, he's not necessarily a home gym owner, uh, but he does sell the best uh, lifting belts. They're all hand carved. He's a former Marine. He was in the O3 initial push into Fallujah. Absolutely awesome human being um, has really been through a lot um, and is a huge influence in, 
in my life. Like legitimately, um, we, and then the other person, uh, there, there's two, there's two more, but the other person that's like the really close part here is Jason Campbell from surplus strength. And again, prior army, uh, Iraq. Oh, I think he was Iraq. Oh, three. Or two yeah. or three, something like and that. And I heard him. I think he was on the Garage Gym Experiment podcast. He has been. Yep. Yeah, and I, I checked that out before. It was, it was a great episode. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm very motivated to try to make a difference. Um, and so, like, I've had drunk conversations with Chris sitting on the at home gym con in French Lake, Indiana, yeah. uh, just kind of talking about where we're at in life. Um, and it wasn't forced. It wasn't deep. But like, just talking about like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how actually are you doing and actually caring? Um, and then uh, we have a group, a text group, and it's called Trace Leches. And uh, we hit it up. It's it's almost every single day that there's something in that group um, where we're just trying to like reach out to each other. Like Fridays, it's like it, it's not uncommon to uh, open up that group, and it's like, hey. It's Thursday. You guys are ugly as hell, but I love you all. Um, hope you're okay where you're at. Um, I keep on saying where you're at, but uh, the other person uh, that we're gonna we're gonna rope in here is because every group needs a a nerd who has a medical background, and that's going to be uh, John Klipstein. Uh, again, doesn't necessarily work in a home gym community, but owns UXO supplements. And, uh, the reason we need him is because John is brilliant. He cares super deeply about the veteran community. Uh, a lot of the stuff that UXO does benefits mission 22, um, trying to get out, try to give back to this community that we care about the veteran community yeah, specifically. Awesome. Um, and so I think that that's probably my, my three other dudes that are going to be there. Oh, and he's, yeah, he's prior army. Um, and he knows more about PubMed and Medscape studies than anybody when it comes to the actual efficacy of like, like, did you know that taking creatine is actually good for your mental health? I didn't, but I'll take some, if they have creatine, I'll take some. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, five grams a day and it like has a positive impact. Do you want to know where that result comes from? Hit John up on a text and you'll get a study. Like, I, I swear he's got him saved. Yeah, absolutely. And he has uh, another podcast too called uh, Black Sheep Narrative. He's trying to get off the ground. But yeah, those are so that's what it's going to be about is basically just making those saves, starting those tribes of veterans. And it doesn't have to be all veterans, but like we, I saw a chart today looking at veteran suicide. And veteran suicide for me is a huge deal because of some of the things I've been through with, with it. Like I've firsthand, like you ever found a body before? Like I have. So, uh, very, very much so like a, a, an important thing to me. And I care very deeply about that. And I think that that's what I want the rest of my life to be is either as my main hustle or my side hustle it needs to be prioritizing that meeting them where they're at, um, preaching the gospel of, Hey, like strength, uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, let's make you a little bit better physically, mentally, and emotionally, uh, and improving lives, saving lives. And, the best part about that is you establish those relationships and it's kind of like that gift that grows. 100%. Yep. And that is an exponential growth. Like if I help two people and both of them help two yep. people, that's not asking all that much. Um, but now you've helped, what, like 16 people or whatever the yeah. math is on that? No, that's great. Last question. If there was a giant billboard with, with your message on it for the world to see, where would you have, where would you place that billboard and what would your short message say? Oh man, I'm not sure I can say that on this podcast. So I'll skip that answer. Uh, gosh, that's a really good question. Thank you. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. So what I'm going to start with like what what does the 
the Kurt Locker billboard say? One, it's got a QR code on it, so that as you're driving down the road uh, texting, you can just aim it up at the uh, billboard and you know go to my website. You probably can't do that. It's probably illegal to do, um, but I would do it anyways. Um, it would probably, I don't know, some sort of message about... I honestly might just go with uh, the the iron, like put the, I, I don't know the actual Bible verse, but the, the as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen each other. Um, and the reason I would use that one is uh, faith gets attention on billboards. Um, it might be because someone that maybe doesn't have the maturity to just see it for what it is, sees it and they're like, oh, you're trying to force your religion on me. Um, but it gets their attention and they see it. So it puts that bug in their ear. Um, and then two, for people that see it and they know what it is, they're like, you know what? That's that's true. I actually didn't think about that today. So maybe as iron sharpens iron, we should be sharpening each other. Uh, now, where would I put it? Man, um, that's a really tough question because you want to put it somewhere where it's got, you know, like a lot of throughput, a lot of visibility. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that's a really good question. I have, a, I have a recommendation. What's the recommendation? And I'll cheat since I'm the host and I can... I'll make it an exception for you. One is, uh, it'd be the first thing you see as people walk into Home Gym Con. <laughs> and then the other one would be, I would have it up at the Arnold. You know, those are good. Yeah. And then and if it's up at the Arnold, up in the top, and it's got the QR code, they could totally just scan it. In my head, I was like, man, like the 70 to 75 interchange just north of Dayton, that would be a good spot. It's got all I get all sorts of answers, right? Times Square. Uh, you know, Vegas billboard, you get Google, lost, you get know, lost in the sauce like, I would, on those. Yeah. You got to be creative. Yeah, hey, those are good pe- answers. If people want to follow you on social media, where's the best place to find you? So my Instagram is the gateway to all the stuff just because that's where I'm at. One, I'm not on TikTok, so don't look at me on a Chinese spyware software. Um, you're not going to find me. Uh, two, get on Instagram, the Kurt Locker. I'm the one with the KL in the logo. Uh, Kurt Locker is two words, but I think it's actually one on Instagram. I'll link all this. So. Yeah. Someone, so someone, Kurt Russell apparently has a podcast called the Kurt Locker. So I, I sent him a DM telling him to uh, get off of my, my, uh, my name, but uh, he hasn't replied yet. So, yeah. um, and then there was also some fashionista guy named the Kurt Locker. So I'm not those two, but yeah, get on my Instagram. I'll, the, I'll the website's sure in the right there. Uh, the website is really just a landing page to, to get you to my YouTube. So you can also look it up on uh, YouTube. Just look up Kurt Locker, one word. Uh, it should come right up. Hey, one last thing is there's a tradition a tradition in the military. You mentioned the Roman Empire as we're wrapping up. I just want to, uh, there's a big tradition in the military. You coin people, someone for excellence. I just want to give you my personal coin. Thank you. So that is a big thing in the military for those who are not familiar, but... Um, and the initials on that don't necessarily stand for Martin Foster. Yeah, I, I actually saw that right away. Yeah. And I was like, okay. It's a pretty basic coin. Yeah, I've seen some fancy ones, but I, for me, it's all about, and it says, for you know, excellence, right? Yes. So uh, the MF excellence. Little quick sidebar before you wrap. Yeah, yeah. So I helped open up a brewery in 2015. I actually almost got out of the Air Force. Like I was dazed. Yeah, we talked about this Yeah, in an earlier conversation. So I don't know how this happened, but when I check out with my debit card there, technology, it pulls in all of your information automatically, right? So like you'll swipe your debit card, it'll know your phone number or whatever. My name only at Crooked Handle, and I don't remember doing this. I probably did, but I don't remember it. Comes up as Curtis M.F. Stadsvold, uh, which I thought was pretty funny because I could definitely see myself doing that if you can think of what M.F. would stand for. Uh, But yeah, I don't remember. Martin Foster. Yeah, Martin Foster. Curtis Martin Foster Stadsvold. (laughs) Hey, cool. Hey, Kurt, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. That concludes another episode of Passing the Torch. 
big thanks to my guest, the Kurt Locker. If this is your first time listening to my show, here's a quick bio about me. I am active duty military and have served for 21 years. I started this podcast in January of 2018 because I have met so many wonderful people in my life. I love meeting new people, having conversations, learning their history, and sharing their story. If you want to support and you enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could follow rate five stars, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. If you are someone who listens on Spotify, please follow and rate five stars on there. If you found value in that episode, took something away from the conversation, and appreciated the insight, chances are there's someone out there who may as well. So I appreciate it when you share. You can text episode to a friend and tag me and the Kurt Locker on social media. Let me know what you were able to take away. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And finally, remember, vision, relate, develop. Take care, everyone. Foster out.